Welcome to our first episode of the Squadron's Pirate Radio podcast. I'm on the line with my co-host Scott and our guest for today, Sean McDermott, Commodore of the Royal Nova Scotia Yacht Squadron, the oldest yacht club in the Americas. Sean, welcome. Well, thank you very much. This is our inaugural Squadron Pirate Radio show. Um, We just thought it'd be fun during this time to stay connected with the club, get some interesting people on, talk about interesting things like sailing and the squadron. And maybe learn a few things about people that we didn't necessarily know before. So our first guest needs no introduction. Um, he's uh, the reigning defending club champion and Commodore, racer, raconteur, entrepreneur, Commodore Sean McDermott. Sean, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Scott and Michaela. Uh, certainly fun. It's going to be interesting. And, uh, and hopefully we don't put too many people to sleep. So uh, let's have at it. <laughs> We're just happy to have you back in one piece. You've had quite the odyssey. Absolutely, yes. Uh, land yachting through the southern states when a pandemic is declared is uh, is quite the experience. But uh, all sorts of folks at the squadron, I'm sure, went through the same thing. So, crossing the border back into Halifax or into Nova Scotia through New Brunswick was uh, was a highlight of the two and a half month trip for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, just talk about sailing. If we go back in time, Sean, I mean, what's your first memories of the sport? Well, I'm extremely old, so uh, I think I got the original ones, but I'm not sure. Um, I was eight years old when I took up sailing at a, it was another yacht club, I won't mention it. And uh, we, uh, I was a little kid in, a, in, a, in an area where lots of kids were doing summer programs, and a good buddy of mine did sailing for a week, and my parents thought it was an excellent way to get rid of me, so they uh, shipped me off down for a week of sailing instruction. And I got hooked. I've sailed ever since. It's been 56 straight years of uh, sailing, mostly racing still. And uh, it's been a wonderful experience. I, I'd recommend it to anybody. So what? Um, so you obviously didn't come from a sailing family. So what, um, what hooked you on the sport? Um, well, it's, a, it's an odd thing. But uh, the gentleman who was driving, it was 420s at the time. And uh, he was my skipper and I was crew and I knew nothing. Anyhow, he taught me how to steer a straight line so he could have a cigarette. He was like 15 years old. So <laughs> I got to drive the boat while he smoked and he smoked quite a bit. So I got a lot of experience uh, up front a lot faster than a lot of individuals might have otherwise. And uh, that just hooked me. I mean, being in control of a sailboat and driving it all over the harbor is just the wind and you and, and the guy smoking, of course. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, so I mean, he was obviously a key influencer in your uh, in your sailing career. I mean, can you mention some others that stand out as <laughs> as uh, being a big influence on your uh, on your progression and career? Well, it's uh, my father. I think he took up sailing after I did, but when he saw my interest in sailing, he built me a Sabo pram. It's like a it's kind of like an opti for hobos, and you can home build them. <laughs> And uh, the day we launched the boat, uh, they're like eight feet long. So anyhow, I took off in this thing and I, I went all around McNabb's Island and I was gone several hours and got back to the dock. And uh, back then you could uh, tan your kids hide for doing stupid things, which I was regularly doing. My mother was not impressed. My father was quite pleased that his boat hadn't fallen apart on the uh, Thrumcap Shoal. So there was one win and one loss there, but... Uh, that got me hooked. Uh, I knew my limits after doing that. And uh, so my father was definitely a big influence. And I'd say almost all of the work I've ever done, and I've worked all over the world, uh, most of my friends are uh, as a result of sailing. And uh, I, I look back on all my, all my good mates now and, uh, and most of my work career, and uh, sailing carried me through a lot of it. And 
I still do it now at a very high level, offshore stuff. And uh, as long as I don't fall down, they'll probably keep me for another year or two. <laughs> what yeah. was the name of your first boat, if you remember? Um, well, that's a really good question. We had some rude names back then, so I'm going to pretend I don't remember. <laughs> but Okay, fair I, enough. I was just a little kid with a tiny boat, so it was all good. Mm. And obviously, uh, the offshore racing um, piece, Sean, I mean, that's a bit of a step from, you know, sort of just knocking around um, Halifax Harbour. So, I mean, what, what took you in that direction? Uh, I'd done a couple of marbleheads way back in the day, and I was really lucky. Um, I was kind of annoying, so they, uh, they always made me watch captain for some bizarre reason. That goes back to 82 or 83, my first marblehead. And then I had a bunch of contacts through the States, and uh, one of them was a navigator. said, oh, you've got to come along to the Miriam Bermuda race. It's a really great race. And Well, it wasn't. I got soaking wet and had no gear, but that's typical for me. And at the end, the owner, who's actually a club member, uh, Outport member Joe Mealy, he said, uh, you know, I want to do some more racing, but a little more serious, and maybe you could put some folks together for me. And so that started that. And we've done, uh, I think it's 18 major offshore races since 2012. And uh, it's just getting better. Obviously, we're on pause now, but uh, there's three more races planned this year. If they all come off, there's three next year. And yeah, it's uh, just very, very, absolutely lucky. Just very lucky. And you've done some Sydney to Hobarts, obviously, being an Australian. I'm very, we're very proud of that race. Yeah, Sydney Hobo races. Uh, yep, fi- finishing up at the Customs House with a beer at the end of <laughs> two and a half days of sailing. But uh, the last one, we were, we were getting close to 26 knots, uh, sailing in the dark, driving, because uh, I do a lot of the driving. I, I'm one of the watch captains, and so I'm responsible for a lot of the Canadian side of the Muppets. And uh, it's, it's quite an experience coming off a monster wave at two in the morning when you're tired and wondering how it's all going to end up, but uh, the boat's wonderful. The program that Joe's put together is absolutely amazing, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, getting into Hobart is is not a bad thing at all. You get people just standing up at the Taste of Tasmania pavilions and applauding your successes or whatever you've done, and uh, you mm. finish it all up with a good beer, and, and you fly home and wait for the next one, so it's it's wonderful. Well, obviously, growing up in, in Australia, I mean, that, that kicks off... Um you know, at a time of year where the weather can get pretty unpredictable. And I remember growing up, there's always, I mean, there's a couple of city to Hobarts that got pretty hairy there. I mean, has there been a time when you've genuinely feared for your life out there on the water? <laughs> uh, that would take brains. No. Um, there's been a couple of moments when I really wondered what the boat would do. Uh, yeah. But I, I've trusted the program that's been put together uh, by Joe and uh, the team. We have, we sail with half pros now. And all my mates from Nova Scotia, I got them in the door early. I was the first one in and got the other ones in, kind of like, you know, the fungus that grows in your shower curtain. If you don't kill it right away, it starts expanding. Well, <laughs> that was the Novi program getting on uh, on Triple Indy Cookson program. So, um, no, I wouldn't say there's been any moment. There's been a couple I've gone, oh, this is interesting, but none that I've actually uh, feared for my life. Uh, we've tried to set fire to the boat twice now, so maybe I should have been more scared of that. But, nope, I think we're all good so far. Touch wood. <laughs> I guess. I guess you become conditioned probably to some to some conditions out there where if you, if you put me out there, I'd be scared for my life. But I guess after <laughs> doing after doing it enough, you probably just becomes normal. Yeah, maybe it does. I, I hope not because that's part of the attraction is to to sail at that level and uh, and with your buds and uh, and everybody's we're a family uh, uh, because of this recent pandemic. Uh, we're, we're daily contact with all the crew. There's 14 in the most recent Caribbean 600. And uh, they're all wonderful individuals, and they all have tons to add. And, and uh, so we, we reminisce uh, the little bits. This most recent one, uh, two weeks ago, was 
it was an interesting race for us because yes, we set fire to the alternator yet again, and uh, we had to sail in the dark. So we were we had no power on board. We had some power bricks and a couple of iPads, and uh, none of our nav systems or sensors uh, were fired up. And it was old school. It's like sailing in the in the seventies and eighties, and uh, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Oh, good, good. Yeah, the... a, a purist experience. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Actually, sailing with that sitting there with your feet up playing cards or whatever it is you do out there. <laughs> yeah, some of that. Mostly strapped in. I'm wondering one of these days if I don't get the hooks right, you know, the boat will be somewhere and I'll be somewhere else. It's uh, it's like riding a, a wild Bronco. Uh, the downside of the most recent Caribbean 600 was uh, 30 degrees Celsius temperatures. It's a black carbon coffin. It's thundering along like you're inside a drum and without power, the fans worked. So, uh it was an interesting petri dish at the end of three days. All three days, I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Can only imagine. <laughs> Wasn't pretty. Speaking of adventures, so your 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 in your professional life has taken you to some um, adventurous places. I, I I think I read talks about um, you supporting companies operating in hostile areas of the planet. So where's the most hostile area that you've been to? I guess uh, personnel wise, might have been Kazakhstan, but no, really really fun crew. Uh, Russia, the most interesting program, I think, uh, beyond Alaska, which I was there for several years in the Canadian Arctic, is probably Greenland, northeast Greenland, uh, about 80 degrees north. A uh, few explorers have been there, uh, pretty much nobody else ever. And I had access to a 30,000 horsepower uh, icebreaker, Finnish icebreaker and a, and a Swedish helicopter. And I got to do what I wanted to do. And I, for at least one week prior to one of the programs one year, um, we just toured around. We just played and uh, we got to see things and places that I would guess very few people, not not five, have ever seen before. So that was a very interesting program. And uh, we were so good at it. Uh, we built such a wonderful program that we put ourselves out of business two years early. We managed to collect enough seismic data to uh, to wrap it up. Yeah, interesting. Put, put yourself out of work. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good business strategy. <laughs> that wasn't overly brilliant, but I, I already said I wasn't particularly smart. And so that extends into my business life as well as sailing. Well, but getting back to sailing and programs. So the squadron, I mean, how did you get your start at the squadron? Because you're a Dartmouth boy, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. And uh, the back in the day, I had a J24 and I was racing at a more and more serious level. And uh, Carla had a women's team and she was racing it uh, all over the place as well. And uh, I got a call from John Roy and uh, Don Williams, and they said, why don't you belong to the squadron? And I said, well, you know, I'm over here, and, you know, the price is pretty good. And he said, well, look, we have a crane. You can lift your boat out of the water. You don't have to anti-foul it. We have, you know, restaurants. We had a tennis court at the time and, uh, and pools and all this sort of thing. So I said, all right, well, let me have a look at it, and I'll see what it was. And it was funny because when I shifted over, it was actually less expensive to belong to the squadron than it was where I was. And uh, we were gone within a few days. Carl and I had shifted, uh, shifted over to the squadron. We never looked back. That was 20-odd years ago now. And I've got to sail with some of the best sailors in Canada. I've got to do some events that otherwise wouldn't have happened and, uh, and got to sail at a very high level and everything from 420s, 470s, fireballs, uh, J24s, uh, which I'd probably still be racing if my crew didn't age out on me. I was about I was about six weeks after them when I was about to age out, but they're a brutal boat, and uh, most of my crew said we're done. So now we have a comfy old man boat, a J105, which we campaign, and we've got a lot of the Triple Lindy people on it. So we've got a real mix of people, and uh, almost all club members, by the way. And 
we dominate in Chester right now. I'm looking forward to the day when, when we don't and we mix it up a little bit more. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. The squadron has uh, been so welcoming. I, I got to be uh, Vice Commodore of Sailing about 12 years ago when we brought in the J-22s. And uh, I've worked with a ton of wonderful people. The volunteers of that club are second to none. And talent-wise, unprecedented what they could do. Just been a wonderful experience. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously not going to argue with you on that front. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the volunteer um, aspect of, of any club, and particularly our club, um, I have a huge amount of respect for. And, um, uh, you know, certainly I've, I've seen some very, very impressive um, people already in my short time. So, and that's not a sales pitch either at the board. Um, thanks, guys. <laughs> Love you. Um, <laughs> not shallow but, at all. Uh, no. <laughs> was it that obvious? Yeah. But uh, no, it's obviously exciting times of the squadron. I mean, obviously it's all very weird at the moment. But um, but uh, just putting that to one side for a minute, um, you know, certainly a lot of early momentum when it, when it, when it comes to our sailing programs um, for the coming season. Um, Michaela, you mentioned that um, currently with pre-registration, we have more non-members than members actually registered for for our junior programs. Yes, that's true. So hopefully the same strategy that worked with getting Sean over to the club will work with others. Mm. So. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, we expect uh, expect to see that conversion rate. We'll have to work on that. But uh, <laughs> but very much the uh, you know my my limited vision that I have as as Commodore has always been for I'd, I'd love to see the Learn to Sail programs absolutely stuffed to the gills with the the you know the keenest of kids. Uh, a few times I've been out in the harbor in my whaler and uh, in amongst the sailing program kids last summer. And you just see these, you know, little people, much like I would have been back then, but they're much smarter now. But anyhow, wandering around and doing the things they do is just, it's heartwarming. And uh, to see our programs absolutely stuffed full of these people. And if they go on later in life to racing on our race team, which is second to none, there's a plug, uh, then mm. wonderful. But if they just decide to make life, uh, sailing a lifelong pursuit, then that's a huge win as well. As long as you're having fun, then then it's a, it's a win. I'm so pleased. Mm. Yeah, obviously, uh, participation and growing participation—not sort of knee-jerky, but actually having a sustainable growth pattern—is is, um, is critical for the sport. Um, obviously, it has some challenges, um, you know, in recent times and moving forward. Um, so, I think, yeah, I can obviously completely agree with you. If we can just get as many kids sailing as possible. I mean, my son Ethan was a classic example. He'd he'd never seen. Uh, an opti, and then I, I brought him down and put him in one, and then that's all he, all he wanted to talk about. And this summer, that's all he wants to do. So you know, it, that's just one example, one very re relevant example. And then that brings me, if I was not a obviously in my position, if I was just a um, a member of the public, that would bring me closer to the club as well. So um, no, it's very very good early signs. No, absolutely. It's uh, you know one of the things that gets me through these sort of darkest times. Um, is literally sitting on the deck, uh, Dick's deck out there, and, and having a glass of wine with uh, with Carla and crew and friends, and uh, just looking out at the arm. It's uh, it's a second to none uh, place, and it's got a huge history, which uh, we're taking very good care of. And uh, as the oldest yacht club in the Americas, it, it behooves us to uh, to ensure that tradition carries on. Well, of course, being you know flexible enough to. Uh, and sure, we change with the times as well. And I, I think we're there. I really do. Mm. No, it's a balance there, absolutely. Um, and I mean, having been at, for the, at the squadron for that, for that long, um, like the more things change, the more they stay the same, I guess, is a, probably um, applicable. You know, the, I've seen some old sort of 
quote unquote vintage photos um, from the seventies and eighties, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it looks very similar. Um, you know, it, it looks vibrant, looks energetic, you know, uh, but it, it basically looks the same. So um, I think it's uh, occupies some, some rare vantage point there on the arm and, and uh, looking forward to seeing it again in full flight in summer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unmatched. It really is. Uh, you know, and as I, as I often say to friends where, uh, cause I reach out to friends who are sailors obviously. And, uh, and I say, you know, if, if occasionally I run into one who isn't a member of the squad and I say that, you know, if you're a sailor and you're serious about sailing or power boating or whatever, but boating, I mean, the arm is so close to the ocean. Why, why wouldn't you be a member of the oldest yacht club in the Americas? I mean, it is just so cool. And that's one of the reasons you know, we're building our membership even uh, and, and come from a ways. Uh, folks with the outport memberships now uh, will be growing that category as well. And it's because we have this rich history that's been so uh, so carefully uh, held together for us. And as far as growing growing the sport, I mean, there's obviously, um, you know, different different uh, facets of the sport. There's races, there's, there's cruisers, there's leisure boaters. I mean, is it just a simple means of just getting as many kids sailing as possible, Sean, or are there, is there more to it than that? Or, I mean, is that, is that really the silver bullet for the sport or is there more? Wow, I wish I knew the answer to that. To me, it's learn to sail. It's <laughs> like planting seeds and uh, you see what comes out of it all. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity a number of times last year for the end of season banquets to sit with parents and little kids and they're having a ton of fun. The parents all ha- are, all, are all happy, they're engaged, and uh, most of them are members and they're enjoying every aspect of the club because we're fully fasted. We have excellent dining facilities and pool and grounds and sailing and this sort of thing. And is there a challenge to sailing? Yep, there's a blip going on now. We see people that do sailing like uh, I'm lucky enough to do. We have boats foiling all over the place at 40 and 50 knots and we have boats going slow and an excellent cruising program, uh, probably second to none in Canada, if not the Eastern Seaboard of the States as well. And I think we're as healthy as we can be uh, where sailing is right now. And I I do know there's been a shift and a a turn to people want to have fun because they're their lives are so busy and kids are so heavily programmed into everything from piano to singing to whatever, hockey and, and basketball and all those other sports that are less important to me. But um, getting into sailing and being able to spend enough time sailing is uh, something I hope they uh, everybody makes a focus when they have fun and, and enjoy our property. Mm. Well, it's a rare, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's certainly a rare experience. I mean, Michaela, look, you've grown up sailing your whole life. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a sport that really doesn't have too many equals from that respect. No. And it was, um, I mean, first, uh, the first time I fell in love with sailing, I wasn't actually sailing at all. I was, uh, you know, in the water trying to write a capsized boat and <laughs> figure out which way was up. So, but that's when, you know, you fell in love with it, you know, you're, you're immersed in it, you're having your own experiences and, um, you just kind of build upon that and then you want to come back next summer much like you know the kids that we see in our camp so all it takes is one one experience and then you know you've started your own passion and mm. yeah no exactly it's uh it's an interesting time for sure uh we're still very much working on the changeover which is the kids that come to the learn to sail program and they may get into the racing program we have j22s of course which gives us a transition vehicle to keep them sailing, whether it's match racing, team racing, or just Wednesday night racing, going around the marks and uh, what they call beer can racing. Um, and, and that gets them into the next phase where as they start their careers, wherever they may be, hopefully in Halifax, the growing city, 
um, that then they, they maintain sailing uh, in some circumstances. Uh, it didn't happen for me, which was unlucky, but uh, as an example, my daughter Casey and her partner, they big-time two-niner sailors, raced all over uh, the world and did very well, and now they're in Ottawa, but I expect within the next year or two, sailing will become important to them again, and they'll make it a priority. So it is a lifelong pursuit. It never gets out of your system. It's salt water in your blood, whatever you care to call it, but uh, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a passion. It's just a wonderful lifestyle to have. Mm. I guess it's a, a constant learning experience as well. I mean, I don't think anyone would pretend to know everything about, about the game. It would um, take a lifetime to really work out that you still don't know everything. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I was a better sailor 10 years ago, but uh, uh, who knows? I'll, I'll keep hanging on where I can, and uh, <laughs> maybe that'll see me sailing by myself in, the, in my 80s or something. Who knows? But uh, it's, uh, it is something you can do your entire life. Uh, we've, we've seen that with many club members, and... Uh, they're still out there sailing and wandering around, having a great time. It's it's wonderful to see. And you've been all over, Sean. So, I mean, who who does it really well? Is there a, is there a, a club or a country or a part of the world that really just does sailing really well? Well, I want to say Australia, but that would be. Of course you do. Of course you would, do. That would be the right thing, but I, I really have to say New Zealand's got it right for such you know a small country. Um, yeah. They everybody sails or boats in some capacity, and whenever there's a world championship and uh, Olympics. America's Cup. You just look at the rosters of names and the amount of New Zealanders that sail is just unprecedented. Now, granted, they have, you know, an 11-month sailing season. They haul the boats out for a month to clean them or something and get back in there. But, uh, you know, Canada, we, we do all right here. We punch well above our, our weight class. And, uh, and you just look at our racing program and what uh, what they've done. We If we're not the best in Canada, I, I don't know who is. So, it's uh, it's amazing what our racing team has done and where they are and what they've been able to accomplish. It's it's very very heartwarming, very proud. We're hopeful to have uh, Ryan Anderson on the show next week. Um, does he know that, Michaela? <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. he does. <laughs> he does now. <laughs> Ryan, does if now. you're Ryan, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I, I I've met Ryan a number of times. He's an exceptional sailor, and uh, I know his dad Gordy really well. So uh, yeah, we go way back, same vintage. But uh, no, Ryan will be great. He'll uh, he'll say fresh things, whereas I have the old jaded look. <laughs> well, no, he's he's a great example, obviously, of um, of just how successful our sailing program has been and continues to be. Um, and uh, I think you know, a lot of credit, obviously, goes to Org and, and and previous you know committees and people responsible for for making decisions in the best interest of the club and the athletes. And um, I think to sort of stay at the top of your game for that for that long is. Um, is difficult anywhere in, in any sport. So um, we're very proud of them as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, we have a, a, an amazing program, and, uh, and, uh, and Og is, uh, is very much a key element of that. He, uh, he coached my daughter, Casey, back when she was sailing two-niners, and that was uh, quite a few years ago now. And, uh, and what he's been able to put together is, uh, is just awesome. It just really is. Uh, yeah, he should be very proud. I'm certainly proud of what he's put together. Yeah, so um, obviously, fingers crossed, we can we can get this season underway on time, and um, you know, there's there's a lot of exciting work that we had planned and new developments to activate, and um, so yeah, we're very much looking forward to that. Um, I guess just to yeah. see us through the last sort of five minutes or so, Sean. I mean, with uh, with success for clubs and 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 our sport, you know, if you just sort of 
you had any words of sort of insight that, uh, you know, what the next two, three, five years needs to look like? Well, I think the uh, where the sport's going is, as I said, there's more of a focus on fun now because of the complexities of our lives. And and this uh, this pandemic that we're weathering right now is, uh, is probably not the last one we'll end up going through. And we'll be much smarter going to the next one, I expect. But these challenges make it so much more important to uh, to enjoy the time you have uh, in a leisure sense. And uh, so I, I can see there being... As soon as we come out of the backside of this, and I hope it's, we're talking months and not longer, uh, certainly the board and staff, you guys, uh, we're, we'll be ready. We, we'll have all the programs ready to go. We'll just pull the trigger and we'll be off and running. And, uh, you know, Wednesday night races, the occasional weekend race may see two races a weeknight and more stuff on weekends as people want to catch up on their, on their leisure time as they get back into work life as well. And when all that's, you know, smooths out and, and simmers down, um, I'd like to see us just maintain a steady rhythm and slow growth and uh, uh, just keep up the things we're doing with the Lure to Sail program and its growth. The race team, uh, they don't need fixing. They're doing a great job. And the rest of us just need to chill and enjoy themselves. Chill and enjoy yourselves. Like there's, yeah. there's a new slogan for that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's it's been a pleasure to to kind of dive into you know your your past experience a little bit and and what your perspective is on what's going on with the club and and the sport of sailing. And uh, is there anything else that you uh, you want to share with our listeners? Uh, no, just be safe. Uh, mm. Listen to all the health uh, news. Follow what's going on. I know you all are and. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you with the club as soon as uh, the all clears. Kevin, we'll be uh, we'll be ready, willing, and waiting for you. So uh, take care. All the best. Thank you so much, Commodore. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Michaela. Thank you. Bye now. Bye now.